is Alex Green, and I am the Chief Legal Officer at Medics, and you are listening to The Sassholes. All right, so welcome to Sassholes, a show dedicated to the issues within the software as a service industry. My name is Jamie Kearney, and with me, Jason and Pete, we have combined over 100 years of making a ton of mistakes in the software industry, and I'm more than happy to talk to them about uh, with you. Before we get started, uh, if you could rate, uh, rate us on five stars on Apple Podcasts and smash that like button on Facebook, Instagram, or follow us on Twitter. Today, we have a very special guest, as you probably heard from the intro, Alex Green. We worked with him at, he's the Chief Legal Officer currently at Mix, and so it's great to have him. Alex is on the call right now. Alex, you want to say hi? I do. Thanks, guys. It's, uh, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Before we get into anything with Alex, we got to pay for this podcast with our, uh, our sponsor. So this episode is brought to you by NeuroNoodle. Get a doodle of your noodle today, a brain map, and find out why you have panic attacks, ADHD, or any type of mental health issues that you have. Visit NeuroNoodle. The SAS holes told, uh, told you to come. You get 50% off. Now, and if Carney to, tells you to come, you get 5% off. You actually have to probably pay more, uh, especially after the debacle that has already occurred today. All right. Now, uh, smash the like button, like we said. Rate us on Apple uh, Podcast. Give us five stars because we have Pete's book of the day. Do that right now and then come back and listen to us. Pete, go ahead. Carney. Yes, Pete. Carney. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Carney. Yeah. Yes, Pete. Did you know the first French fries weren't actually cooked in France? Where were they cooked, Pete? They were cooked in Greece. Leave us some comments on our blog. It's also <laughs> I love that one. I use. I tell that one. No, Legitimately, don't, don't, I tell on. that as a joke. <laughs> we really, I'm going we to start got... telling that one. That is very good. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. a great one. It's yeah. a great one. Yes. See, Carney? <laughs> Yeah, uh, it's a great one, Pete. <laughs> All right, so now leave us some comments. Leave us some comments. Yeah, leave us some comments. Tell us how bad the jokes are. Pete, you got a comment of the day. I got some shot shout outs. outs. Sorry, shout outs. I got some shout outs. First of all, Max Chanson's big birthday. Been off the payroll for two years. Good kid. Thank hey, you. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. How old is he? He said it's a big 28. birthday. 28. 28. 28. But he, well, the 26, you should, he should be paying you for those extra four years. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I got a shout out. Um, Mike Day, I went to high school with him. And he, he went to Marquette. He's just started as a, a, at M2 Blue Capital um, just uh, this week. Back in the day. Mm-hmm. Back in the day. Mick Dohaney. Mick Doheny, 30-year anniversary at Doheny's Pool Supplies. Ask for Maureen's Chlorine. All right, I got to shout out Adra Nunez. I work with her at Flexera. She's been there for five years. She's actually been there longer. She took a, a, a sabbatical, but she, she's worked uh, for some variation of Flexera for probably over a decade. I'm not really sure. But um, she's been at Flexera for five years, so congrats one of the brightest and, and uh, sweetest people you ever meet. 
Jason, you got any shout outs? We're leaving you out there. Are you okay? That, I have I have no shout outs today. I've been scouring, but uh, but nothing today. So you're well, shoutless. I'm shoutless today, but I'll line them up. How about your girls still swim, Alex? You got any shout outs for them? You know? Uh, yeah, I could sh- I could shout out my daughter who's at uh, at uh, CU out in Boulder, uh, Sydney. Oh, nice. So a little shout out to her. She's she's doing well. Sophomore. Uh, Sophomore out there and uh, making us all very proud, Pete. Thanks. Thanks for asking. Well, Josh Ramsey, yeah, we a... trained another guy over to work at LinkedIn. Way to go, LinkedIn. No charge. All right. That's all we got for shout-outs, I think, unless anyone else has anything. Oh, uh, no. That'll do. On to the news, which I don't think we have a lot of news going on um, right now. Uh, besides... More unemployed. More unemployed, Carney. Is it more unemployed? I thought I thought it was better than expectations. No, I saw another seven hundred thousand. That sounds another, like more to me. Oh uh, yeah, that's more. Yeah, but our unemployment rate is what six six and a half something like that. It's 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 up there, Carney. Yeah. I don't even like talking about it. No. Do they uh, do they count podcasters as members of the unemployed? <laughs> you're ga- you're gainfully employed. You get more. Uh, Pete, you get paid exactly what you deserve, which is zero dollars for this. You're pretty funny. All right. How about Harsh that main topic? Today. All right. So on to the main topic. So Alex, why don't you give a little bit of history of uh, who you are for the podcast listeners before we get into the topic? The topic is going to be around just legal issues involving, you know, with COVID, uh, especially with contracts for all those people that are just getting involved in sales we're going to talk about like when should you bring legal into play and and what are some red flags you should be looking out for when it terms in terms of contract negotiations but before we get into all of that and the conversation alex why don't you give a little history and background of who you are yeah yeah thanks um you know i i i'll probably just start where i where i met all of you all of you clowns um uh working together was general counsel there for for a number of years responsible for all the legal issues you know that impacted our old our old company and really you know started um even i guess i can go back even before that uh started as an attorney practicing now for over 20 years you know working in a lot of the different types of organizations you know, gravitated towards working in-house and working on, on contracts and, and um, have really enjoyed being, you know, as close as I can to the business. Currently, as we mentioned at the top, I'm working for Medics Staffing Solutions as the chief legal officer. Um, and again, you know, in charge of all the legal issues that impact our business. We are a, a um, staffing company that, that works um, primarily in the primarily in the um, healthcare and IT space, temporary staffing. We do some permanent placements. Uh, and we also own a software business that um, uh, works in um, assessments uh, on soft skills called Talent Today, which was originated in France and now we're bringing it to the U.S. So keeping very busy, it's it's an interesting time to be in, in the business that we're in in the staffing side and just, yeah, just enjoy it. Enjoy my opportunity to um, to, to talk to business people like you and, and continue to kind of just, you know, grow and get closer to uh you know, making medics a success. <laughs> All right. So let's first talk COVID. We're, we're at the point of just reopening society and the business, you know, people are going to 50, I think uh, um, Chicago just moved to 50% capacity and, and restaurants and things of that nature. I know we've had at the company I work for, we've had multiple calls about 
what the plan might be and when we move them in and stuff like that. What are some legal issues that uh, all companies might have to uh, think about when reopening? Because of like, let's say I go back to the office and I contract COVID, who's legally responsible for that? You know what I mean? If you do it, and how do you prove it to happen in the yeah. office? I don't think there's any legal responsibility for the business besides we, we, we try to keep the best, you know, social distancing or whatever you want to say. But I know there's some people that think if they go back to the office and they get COVID, they're going to sue the company that they work for. So let's iron that out first. Ooh. Yeah. I, you know, I think it's, it's obviously a hot topic um, in just about every business, right? We spent a lot of time talking about return to work for, for our team as well. Um, you know, I think that some of the things you got to be concerned about, I, it, it's, you, you kind of hit it on the head. You, the, the company's responsibility is to create the safest space possible for its employees. Um, you know, as part of that, you have to make sure that you're doing all the things that have been um, mandated or even recommended by the government. So that includes, um, you know, where we are now, that includes making sure that people are spaced out correctly um, to the extent that um, depending on your job, if PPE is required or mask are required, make sure you're providing that for your employees. And really, as long as you're making sure that you're complying with those things as a business, you're in pretty good shape. Um, as an employee, if you were to contract COVID, uh, would most likely be sort of a workers' comp type of an issue that you try and deal with. And and then really the question would be, you know, as we what we know about this disease, it's not entirely clear where you may have contracted it, right? So it's always going to be a difficult um, argument to make. And I think you know, from a company perspective, make sure you're doing the right things. And from an employee perspective, um, you know, make sure that you're demanding that your company is providing that safe that safe haven for you. Uh, I, I think the other thing that companies are going to have to deal with um, is, you know, as we talk about vaccinations. I think that's another hot topic. Some companies are, are mandating vaccinations for their employees. Some are just recommending, you know, and some are leaving it open. And I think that comes with its own issues. If uh, if you're mandating vaccinations, you need to make sure that um, you're doing it in a way that it's that it's uh, equitable across the board. And if someone doesn't want to get vaccinated, you have to have a plan to deal with that as well. So there could be a reason, whether it's religious or some type of disability, where someone is not able to get vaccinated, and you need to be able to to, to deal with that situation as well. So, I mean, there's a variety of issues, um, but I think from a company perspective, the most important thing is that as you're welcoming your employees back to work, that you're creating the safest space you possibly can. You mandate vaccinations. Let's say you're an employee and you, you have an issue of taking a vaccine. What, what, what's the recourse there? Is it just like, Hey, we're going to let you in anyways, or is it, um, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it's business. If you deem that as something that's that's necessary for your um, to, to create that safe space or even for your business to operate um, right now, you can still you can mandate it. But you have to allow um, uh, essentially reasonable accommodations for people who don't want to get vaccinated. And if it's a if it's a legitimate reason, that's where you're kind of forced to make these tough decisions. So if someone can't get vaccinated because of religious concerns, then you're going to have to try and find a different workaround. Um, in that situation. So, yeah, I mean, that's a tough, th- those are, those are kind of thorny issues and they're going to continue to be worked out. I think what we're seeing and what I'm, you know, hearing is that most companies are kind of landing somewhere in the middle. Um, you know, certainly it's a recommendation, but it's not being made mandatory because uh, I think those issues are difficult to deal with. So um, yeah, I think that's I probably where a lot of companies will come out. Alex, what about, like, can companies 
mandate people come back to the office? I mean, I, I you know, I suppose there in all these scenarios, there's a sure, and this is what you'd have to do. Sure. But if I, you know, if I'm a restaurant worker or somebody, somebody who needs to be on premise to do it, but I don't feel comfortable doing that. Is it just as simple as we're in, you can't work here, or is there some other issue that may exist that I don't know about? Yeah, I mean, it's that it's that lovely answer in the law where I think it's still a little bit gray. I think we're we're moving towards as more people get vaccinated, as we the numbers start to come down. I think companies are going to be able to mandate that more effectively. Um, I think the bigger question for companies is, do you want to? Right? It, you know, I think the the restaurant example is, um, yeah, you'd have to for your business. But if you think of uh, maybe a software business where you know you probably had a certain percentage of your workforce working remotely anyway. Um, and now throughout this, obviously, everyone's been remote. This um, is that something that's good for your business, good for your culture. Um, you know, you're going to have to kind of decide those issues. But I do think uh, we will get to a time, certainly, where companies deem it necessary that everyone's going to be back in the business and if you are back in the office, and if you don't want to come in, uh, you know, I think you'd be subject to discipline there. But you know, I, I I'm one of those people, and I'm guessing you guys are the same. Um, who thinks obviously coming out of this that that the way that we work is going to be you know vastly different, and I think there'll mm -hmm. be a lot more flexibility built into businesses because I think employees will demand it, and I think is you know as a business, unless you completely suffered throughout this time, which you know obviously is a, a different case as a business, I think you have to be looking at all these different types of things you know, around attracting people, around saving money, around doing other things. I think you have to look at different ways people can do their jobs, um, you know, effectively. So I think some things will definitely be changing. In the job space today, I see companies that are bigger, caring less about where you are uh, physically, and companies that are smaller, wanting more interaction in the office. And I, and I see that from a cultural perspective. You know, when you're a when you're a sub $10 million business, you're like, gosh, I really want people here so we can create a culture. You know, to, to me, it's this question of culture, which is going to expand. Like, how do you build that if everybody's remote? As, as a much bigger organization, it may not matter. Um, at least that's what I'm seeing when I, you know, when I talk to bigger companies or I talk to smaller companies. That's the general general perception that I get from them. I was going to close at that point because, uh, and essentially just agree with that, I, I, and, and maybe ask the question to you guys, you know, we're seeing that type of thing as well. And I wonder if some of these smaller companies, because typically they're, they're, a lot of them are founder led or they're, yeah. they're smaller leadership groups. You know, there's a, there's just this feeling, mm -hmm. I think default position is that we need to have everyone around to be like, I need to be able to touch and feel and see everybody to make sure everyone's kind of performing and doing what they should be doing. Yeah, I think in these larger organizations where you've been more successful, it gives you a little more room, but I, you know, I, I'm wondering if that's what you, it's, it's insecurity from I lack of my control. Business. Yeah. Yeah, so you're, you're going in and out, Alex, but I'll here, let, no. let me pop in. I think with the smaller businesses, you have, you have these entrepreneurs that don't have anything written down, standards, protocols, what have you, mm -hmm. and they mm -hmm. feel like they don't have control. But if they can see everybody, they feel like they have control, and that's why they run into the issues. That's my two cents. Plus, I think once you get to a certain scale, maybe, uh, you know, when you became over 500 people or something like that, maybe 10% of your population was remote already. And so by flipping the switch, everyone went remote, but you already had a remote com component. When you're small and 20 people, maybe there's no one remote, you know, and yeah. so that, yeah. that I know that's happening at our company was we had 30% of our, our company was remote and now we're all remote. 
And so we're going back and forth on who needs to be in the office or not. Yeah. It's flip topics. I think we've, we've hammered this one through. We've beaten it. For all <laughs> of these newer sales guys that are out there that are listening to this call, one of the things that I think always comes up is when you're dealing with software contracts, SaaS contracts, large contracts, when do you bring legal in? When should you bring legal in that's not a waste for the legal team because there's there's scarce resources? And when shouldn't when do you hold off? What are some indications there, Alex? Generally, I know it changes. From yeah, time. yeah. I, you know, I think generally, once you have an agreement on terms, um, you know, on the business terms, I think you want to be looking very hard at getting your legal team in. I mean, there's a huge advantage in to, in for speed. I think for the business for for controlling risk if you can control the agreement. Uh, so I think, you know, I, I don't know any legal team that wouldn't want to be able to draft the agreement and have it on their paper. So I think the earlier you can get, you can get your team involved, the more likely that's going to happen. And that usually comes in, Hey, you know, once you've agreed on kind of what the deal terms are going to be, then the next question obviously is going to be, okay, how do we write this up? You want to make sure you have legal um, involved, you know, as soon as possible at that point. And then um, you said one thing on drop paper. What are some, key indications that when you're dealing uh, with a buyer that they might say something while you're talking to them that you within experience might not know is a big problem or a big red flag for legal. What are some, what are some things that usually just drag this out another two to three months when you thought it might happen in two weeks? Yeah. I mean, I think certainly, you know, the obvious, when you hear, if you get into a, a procurement situation and someone's talking about their form or they're talking about examples of documents they've used before and it's their, their agreement, um, you can, you can kind of tell that's going to be headed that direction. I, I think anytime you get into an agreement that's going to have um, a deal that's going to have uh, a lot of complex terms, uh, most times companies are going to want to put that agreement on their contract as opposed to allowing you to use yours because they feel like the deal is too complex. So I think you should start trying to position it along the way with your contact, letting them know that, you know, you have flexibility in your agreement to accommodate everything that's being discussed. Um, and then when you just talk about one of the payment terms, where you talk about payment uh, length of time, uh, if they start talking about, Hey, we need to, we need to set it up a certain way to, involving credit, or we need to certain up, that's most likely an indicator they're going to want to use their form as well. So those are all types of situations where you want to either loop in someone on your legal team, or you want to make sure they understand that you are, your legal team is flexible enough to deal with whatever issues they have. And, and, and you can change your agreement so that it's going to work for the, for the, for the deal. And you got to remember with legal teams, depending on a company, you might have one or two lawyers. I know we have a handful, but, um, you also got to take that into consideration too. If you need yeah. legal help, you better know that they have bandwidth to help you because at the end of every quarter, you know, yeah, you get a crunch. It's a hockey stick and the legal team is Absolutely. slammed at the end of every quarter, end of every year. So take that into consideration. In fact, I would say personally, try to figure out a way, you know, every quarter, there's no incentive for a company to buy at the end of each quarter. Why is it a hockey stick? Cause no one really cares. Try to make February more important than March. You'll have all the legal resources you need at that point. Uh, try to make the month before, try to create demand early a month early to protect you. They're going out there and they're quivering and they're asking for deals just to get a contract in. You have buyers out there who have done a whole lot more buying than the sales rep has done selling. 
What do the buyers try to take advantage of on the contracts to redline things out to make the contract more to the company's, the purchaser's advantage? Like what things? Terms? Yeah. Uh, what, yeah. what do you see gets crossed out? You know, I can, I can, you know, for, for, I think the thing, the most obvious thing is going to be the payment terms, right? I think there's going to be some action there. I think you're, you need to be aware, you know, potential buyers are, are trying to adjust those terms, lengthening the, your payment cycle. Um, that's always going to be a place that's a bit of a red flag for us because obviously, um, you know, you're in the, you're in the business of receiving funds. You, you want that, you want that time frame as short as, as possible. Uh, you know, the other thing with contracts is basically they're just, overall sort of risk shifting agreements, right? So there, there are other places, whether it's um, lawsuits that may come up from third parties, which, you know, we call an indemnity, where they may cross some things out to make it more favorable for, for, their, uh, for their company. Uh, in SaaS agreements, you have to pay close attention, although it's not, it's not going to come up a ton, but, you know, just making sure that the ownership provisions, the ownership around the technology, uh, none of that is changing. You want to make sure that it's tight and that your company continues to um, to have all the rights that they had going into the deal. Um, and then the rest of the action, a lot of these contracts will have SOWs. So, you know, statements of work, which talk about delivery times, they talk about maintenance time, they talk about, um, uh, you know, other things that you're going to have to deliver. And you want to make sure that that is, that section's very tight as well, because you don't want to sign up for something you're not going to be able to provide. So, you know, that's where you're going to see a lot of the markups. And, and I think, you know, again, getting legal involved, early helps you kind of think through those issues. You also want to take into consideration another one is uh, delaying invoice terms. So a lot of times in software companies, you know, they want to get that, they want to count that ACV in the quarter. So they ship the keys on the last day, but then they delay the invoice for uh, a month. And it's kind of a gamesmanship, but that also, in my opinion, means you really haven't sold them for a month. It's up at risk. Out clause, out out clauses. You know, out clauses, out clauses yeah. to a three-year agreement, and they're adding an out clause every year. It's really a one-year agreement with two automatic renewals. Is the way I look at it. Uh, so be right. cognizant of out clauses. Um, and then another one that constantly comes up is uh, is uh, unlimited liability, right? Um, so a lot of companies, when they're doing the software, they want they want like unlimited liability. Um, in their contract, right? Any, I think those are the main ones, in my opinion, also on top of what you said, Alex. I got two, I got one contract thing and one other, one other question, Jamie. I, um, Alex, one of the things that I've seen with contracts is, you know, companies really pushing to standardize contracts. Hey, our, our terms, our statement of work, everything's online. So I'm going to send you this link, you approve it. There's no redlining of the contract. There's no, you know, intended to, to speed up that that time to close in your view does that work to speed up time to close does that just does it really change anything do the people who want to redline still redline um, i just know that's a big movement right yeah. get everything online lock it in tell somebody they can't change it go yeah you know i think that's that's a really good point i think that's another place where you should um, see it as a red flag because uh, your legal team is mostly, you're not going to sign an agreement until you've gone through it and make sure that the terms all make sense. And if someone's putting, if a company's putting something online and saying there aren't any changes, the way we would look at it, the way I would look at it is it, it's, we're, we're still going to go through that agreement and we're still going to try and find a way to make the edits we need to make. And I think 
in certain situations, it actually slows the process down. We could have started with sort of an editable version and gone back and forth and, and maybe, you know, gotten to an agreement faster. So I think just in general, whenever um, you have an agreement that's linked to online terms or someone's pushing to online terms, uh, it's another situation that's a red flag. And, and, you know, again, a time where you have to get legal thinking about these things early because someone's going to have to go through those terms and someone's going to have to, you know, to bless them and, and potentially go through the process of trying to make comments to a PDF and go and, and do the back and forth. So, no, I, you know, in my, my estimation really, unless there's such a big disparity in, um, you know, who has leverage, I, I don't, I don't think that necessarily speeds things up. I mean, I, okay. for us, we're going to print those things off and go through them and, and we're going to end up basically back in the same place. And one other, one other topic I wanted to cover, it's super wonky, but I would be interested in, in understanding how much time in the last couple of years you've spent on privacy, um, GDPR, and sort of the California legislation that that essentially, in my view, kind of mimicked the GDPR stuff that forced a lot of contractual changes? I mean, you spend a lot of time with that. Yeah. I, I know it's been thorny yeah. at an executive level. I don't know if at the sort of rank and file level it matters yeah. that much, but interesting nonetheless. Mm-hmm. We, we have spent a lot of time on that. Um, and it, it's been kind of interesting because with uh, COVID over this last year, it's one of the issues that was a huge hot button. Now, obviously there are other things to take in precedence. We don't, we don't discuss, you don't hear it discussed as much. Uh, but we certainly spent a lot of time. I think the privacy law was, was a good example of um, it, it really forced, I think most companies that do business in California, which is basically most companies, to mm-hmm. go through and make changes to all their agreements and to take a look at their IT processes and really do a lot of data mapping and do a lot of things that um, really did cost, uh, cause a lot of time and effort. Uh, so yeah, just a ton of time there. We, we do have the business in France, which I mentioned, mentioned. So GDPR is still something that we are, we have to keep, you know, an eye on, we have to make sure our agreements are in compliance. We have to make sure that our data is not how we have to understand how we transfer it, how we move it. Um, it is a big part of, uh, what legal departments need to think about. And certainly in the, in the SAS world, uh, as you get bigger as a company, it's, um, you know, it's, it's a topic you have to be aware of. Yeah. And, and if I'm a, if I'm a rep or a sales manager and my prospect starts talking, you know, GDPR, should I, uh, immediately just uh, get you on the horn. I mean, I, you know, I think I, most companies don't have a chief privacy officer probably. And it's like impossible to manage this, I think, as a, as an employee. So that's another area probably you, you jump into the, to the legal team, right? Good. I was just one, wondering at what point, if I'm a rep or a manager, you know, yeah. I'm mobilized as the attorneys right away if somebody says something about privacy, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, look, I, the, the, those are, those are the types of issues that are, you know, use the word wonky. They're very technical and um, you definitely want to get someone involved. Most times they have their, their questions that, that the business can, the legal team can answer, but you definitely want to get them involved because if, if handled incorrectly, it can lead to obviously huge liability for the company. So a lot of times it's just making sure that um, the agreement properly reflects how you deal with, data. And that's, um, that's something the legal team should be able to, 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 um, you know, put into the document. And I think it's, it's again, another, another spot where you just got to get it going as soon as you can to make sure the agreement keeps moving. 
All right, I got a question. RFPs. So RFP, Ugh. does legal get involved? Should legal be involved in RFPs or not? Uh, I, I, my personal opinion is yes for the most part, but um, I wonder. <laughs> I know it could be a complete and utter waste of time. Pass it off to the legal team, right? It is an interesting point because, uh, you know, I've been, I've been at a place where, you know, I've been in places where it's, it's seen as a marketing, um, a marketing responsibility. And I've been in places where it's seen more as a legal responsibility. I, like I tend to believe it's, it's both, but it probably lives first in marketing or some version outside of legal, because I think you have to, the amount of sort of gathering data on these RFPs and the, and the different parts of the company you need to touch, um, you know, I just think there are other, other, you know, marketing or, or maybe even fi- finance is in a better position to, to do it, to lead it. But I think you're going to have to have legal involved. Now, I think the biggest thing with RFPs is just trying to assess which ones really make sense because they're, they are big time sucks. And you have, to, you have to have a vetting process, which is not easy to do, but you have to try and limit the amount of resources that, that you, you expend on RFPs that make no sense. Um, and part of that starts with how you vet them, but, um, the actual process of putting them together, I think there's a, there's definitely a role for legal in there. Um, but I, my position is I don't think legal should be leading those. Um, I do think it probably lives somewhere else in the organization. Yeah, I agree. I think legal should not be leading those. I do think legal needs to be involved with it. I mean, I know there's a couple, when you're working on an RFP, don't just check boxes because you think, oh, this will be good. Because we, we have an issue where we checked a certain box on an RFP saying that we do a, like, I think it was like a 5% or 10% donation of the overall contract will go to uh, their charity. And then when it came to the legal team, we're like, nope, we uncheck it. And they're like, well, the deal is off until you uh, agree to these terms you agree to them on the RFP, which queued this up. And we're like, some sales rep checked it. You know what I mean? So we're sort of like, oh, right. now we have to pay. Yeah, attention. I think Alex's point about vetting RFPs is what's what's most important. Because coming from the perspective of a marketer, you know, I, I want to get rid of an RFP as quickly as I possibly can. Because they're written by most, in my experience, in most cases, they're written by the incumbent in a way that the prospect will never be satisfied with your, with your answer. And so most RFPs that come to me, I'm like, you know what? I'm not touching that. Cause I, let's look at the data. How many of the past RFPs have we won? And to me, that's the, that's right. the vetting process. Cause I, I think everybody's happy to be involved in a, in a big deal that has an RFP if it's vetted properly. And if you have a track record that, that is positive, otherwise, like I have zero desire to work on your RFP. I mean, it's just not, not something that I, you know, I'd like things to be consistent, but I don't, I'm not excited about that at all. 2022. Uh, what do you think is going to be keeping CEOs up at night? How's a legal team going to help, help the CEOs? What are they worried about? Oh, Obviously that's, COVID, that's a, but what else? That's a, that's a big question. I, yeah. You know, like I think, I, I do think that how companies kind of adjust and come out, um, re, this, this return to work thing is going to be huge. I think that the ripple effects on, um, you know, the, so the hiring class is coming in over the next couple of years and how you, if you're going to have more people that are going to be working remotely, how you do it with your culture and everything else, I think that's going to be big. And, and then I do think that we are going to be 
kind of circling back, just given sort of the, the current political climate, I think this privacy and data protection is going to be um, is going to come back front and center. And, um, you know, we're going to have to kind of continue to iterate on what we've already um, uh, done. I think the processes that companies have put in place, and I think it's going to become more of a more of a talking point issue, you know, for businesses over the next few years, for sure. <laughs> we've had five stars uh um all right well I, yeah i know we're coming up to an hour so we we do have to wrap it up because that's all we ask is an hour just shoot the shit but it was great catching up with you alex and no thanks guys uh i appreciate it let us know if there's thanks, alex. There for people to uh <laughs> all right thanks, alex see you guys right, good to alex. see you Bye. Cue, right, guys. cue the music Bye. that was great oh we broke the interview yeah. All right, see ya. Bye. Hello, Pete. How are you? Looking good. The the mustache looks better every week. You spend a lot of time on it. I want, when you go on stage again, I want you more glam than you are. (laughs) So not just in the mustache, but around the eyes. I was thinking about that, Ferrari. You're a music guy. What what did you play, or what do you play? Um, I play the guitar not very well. Well, fix that. I got okay. my setup over here, so I get out. I mean, it's covered up right now because we got. It's, um, it, it's really mediocre. I want you to to uh, accelerate that. <laughs> That'll well, feel comfortable going on stage with you. We need a drummer. <laughs> Yeah, it's not. That's not me. I um. I, I do like yeah. the bongos, though. Well, so you know, every every kid has a set of bongos, right? The double the double bongos. And I was cleaning something up the other day, and I'm like, you know what? I need to do. I need to put the bongos by the instruments. Because who knows what can happen? You know, somebody comes over you, and wants to play bongos. You got a little Desi Arnaz to you. <laughs> totally. Little Babalu. Uh huh. I totally forgot to share the um, the one with Patrick, so I can I'll share that you know next week at some point. Well, too. there's there's no reason to share that one. Let <laughs> <laughs> me get my video started. You got yeah. Jamie. You got to invest in. Oh, I got I got infrastructure. They're coming today. Uh-huh. Who's coming today? Mesh. I have everything. You you are Eddie Albert. Who's coming today? Who's Comcast or Xfinity? You, you got to climb up that telephone pole and plug in the dial-up. Dial-up might, dial-up might be better. It might be, it might be more consistent. <laughs> look, I got a background in everything. Hey, look at you! Huh? Yeah, that oh, look at that! That's really nice. I want to make it look like I'm a stoop with an empty office. Astute. Very astute. Speak of getting some Hello. people on here. Hey. Hey, gee. Hey. Did I miss there it? There he is. Yeah, going? it's over, but it was a great call. Oh, that was good. <laughs> Thank God. All right. <laughs> I spoke only positive things it. about you. We may need legal <laughs> to check it out. Yeah. Uh, that's what you we do have a lot of legal concerns that maybe you can... Uh, yeah, this whole thing, this whole podcast, I think is illegal. It's patently illegal. Yeah. Everything you're doing here, I don't want to get any of it. It is totally. That's... 
if you play it in the band though pete can't you cover it with the band and then put that on and that whatever so we got we got the the attorney or first legal guy we've had on here. Yeah, nice. Uh, it's gonna be huge. Will, you guys probably we'll, only know one legal guy, but it's still <laughs> impressive. <from that. laughs> they are my go-to ticket purchase place. Vivid seats. Vivid seats. Uh huh. I thought you were gonna make a porn reference there. If you don't notice, uh, Pete is our, our uh, resident 70s porn actor. Yeah. How you doing? Ron Burgundy. Hey. It's not Ron Burgundy. Yeah. It's, uh, what's the guy's name that we were calling you before? Ron Jeremy? Jeremy. Ron, Ron Jeremy, Jeremy mustache. Yeah. <laughs> He's got the Ron Jeremy mustache. Yeah, it's a good look. I don't want to get shut down. <laughs> all right, hey Alex, to let you know how this all yeah. works, first of all, it's just catch yeah. up. If there's anything you say that you do not want, like you you said, like Pete's an asshole, and you're like, you know what? I don't want that in the. Uh, oh no, that's nice. In the notes. Oh no, yeah, I'd say, be good with that. I'd be good with that. I, I think we're all good with that, but you would <laughs> right. if you just cha- had it's a change example. of heart. It's an example. As an example, I'm just using that as an example. <laughs> Um, you could just stop and say, can you cut that and uh, take a little bit of a break and uh, continue. Okay. Let's get this mule cart going. Yeah, that's good. Go ahead. We're going to do it now. Just do it. Yeah. yeah. Do it. I just do it with my one eye. Well, well, now I feel like I'm not, I don't know if I'm completely right. I want to do it. Well, get pumped up. Indiana football. <laughs> Are you? Right. Hoosiers. Go Hoosiers. All right. Here we go. <clears throat> Hi, this is Alex Green, and I am the Chief Legal Officer at Medics, and you are listening to The Sassholes. That was magnificent. That was good. That, that was, was, that was really Pete, good. you gotta you gotta keep the, the throat clearing in too. The throat clearing was, oh. was my favorite. <laughs> keep that in there. Hey man. <laughs> Next year it'll still be the second best team in Indiana, right? Yeah, I think it sounds right. <laughs> <laughs> Behind Notre Dame! <laughs> <laughs> Alex, hold, hold on, guys. You got to know this about Alex. First of all, the, the pride of what? What was it? Glenbrook South there or North? I forget. Lombard West. Lombard West. All world running back, right? Goes to Indiana. Guy, Pete. Yeah. Oh, bull crap. Kills that running back, goes to Indiana, start at running back, and then they moved you to safety, and you played with, uh, what was it, Van Waiters? Who else? Yeah, I played with Van Waiters uh, on our team. We had a couple other guys with the pros, but he was like the main guy uh, yeah. on my side of the ball. Played against some great guys, you know. We had Woodson's in the conference big, then. Chris big Carter ten, was big in the conference. Big Ten Player of the Week or Game. How many of those did you have? Three times. I, I, I racked, racked up a few. I was lucky enough to get a few of those. Yeah. Uh, That's a little I just need fact. one more year. I'm gonna have to, we'll put the newspaper articles up on the uh, blog. Just <laughs> yeah. And then uh, nice. Dallas. Dallas is a safety, yeah. right? You did the tryout in Dallas. I had a very long cup of coffee in Dallas. I played through the strike. And I hung around a little bit. I played, uh, you know, they actually, I signed as a free agent there as a corner, which, you know, about three weeks into training camp, I was like, well, this, 
doesn't seem right. These guys are all, like, I feel pretty fast, but these guys seem really quick. Hey, how about I go back to safety, which is where I feel most comfortable. Um, so then kind of moved back to safety. But their idea was that they wanted to usher in the sort of the big corner, the era of the big corner. So, you know, I was larger and I, I was still pretty quick, but it, it, it wasn't, it wasn't going to work on term much. So, um, but yeah, I was there for a while and, you know, and then decided to get into this, uh, Business a lot. It was, it, was, it, was a, it was a good cup of coffee. Good cup of coffee. Well, you know, we all love lawyers. Glad you did it. Marty, <laughs> get this mule cart yeah. going. All right, were you the one talking? <laughs> Give me one second, guys. I gotta pause. The fucking podcast guy showed up a little bit early. You I told him one to three. Totally. You he never even called me. Escape patch from this one. Hold on, just I am starting to question the professionalism of this entire operation. There should be no meaning. Hold on, let me... <laughs> There's 20 minutes of content and 40 minutes of outtakes every week. Nobody right. even listens to the first 20 minutes. <laughs> they listen to the first end. 20 minutes on, on three times speed, and then the outtakes on one and a half times speed. <laughs> Coming together. Oh, That's fantastic. Man. Jason, I, is that like an office set up there? It's nice. It is. It is. Yeah, we moved. A lot of stuff going on. We there. moved into our. We moved into our house. Carney, get on your uh, high chair. Sorry, guys. An uh, office. The guy just said I called you, and told you I'm coming early. I'm like, no, you didn't tell him to call me. But, you know, I told him to come back in an hour. You can't talk to him. Well, I'm sure your Wi-Fi will improve. I'm sure he'll be back in an hour. Awesome. What a, what a disaster. I'm seeing this guy walking up. He's some Russian dude. I'm like, I can't talk to you. You can't come in. Uh, How do you know he's Russian? Is he wearing like an old yeah, Soviet what? military uniform? He's wearing a mega hat. He rode in on a horse and no shirt. Like Putin. <laughs> I mean, the Russian part of that. Had, uh, I don't know, we're going to dig into that later, I think. I don't know why that's yeah. a problem. But we should yeah, probably... he's got like an issue there. Yeah. He said comrade. <laughs> comrade. Well, he could be Are Cuban, you? I suppose. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry yeah. about that. Um, yeah. Really unprofessional, yes. That's what you get. No, <laughs> great. Yeah. How about doing the ad card? What'd you say? The sponsor of the show. I was. Now I'm sort of lost. All right. <laughs> so. It's called the fucking script. See this thing? I got the script. I was, he yells at me for not Fuck. following. So now I'm trying to follow the script and now he's yelling at me. Fucking Notre Dame graduate bullshit. Marty, why do you keep falling down in your chair? Even, uh, don't have, I don't go to my office, but you guys make fun of because it's like a storage unit. Oh, look now, when Marquette, yeah. why would you be so proud to go to Milwaukee for school? When Marquette was in four straight Sweet Sixteens and an Elite Eight, and Buzz Williams was our coach, yeah, there was a lot of chatter. We had Jimmy Bu- Bucket, Jimmy G. Buckets, and Jay Crowder, and all these guys on the team. Edit this all out. <laughs> That's great. I know um, there's a Marquette affiliation at Medics too. I believe the CFO at least is from Marquette. Uh, Brian, right? Isn't that his name? Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, we have our um, our CFO and our head of HR are both uh, Marquette grads. You know, I, yeah, I'd yeah. forgotten they do talk about that from time to time. Not so much right now with basketball season. No, they the talk about Marquette uh, quite a bit. I would put yeah. Marquette <laughs> past Notre Dame of being so honored to tell where they went to school. 
Always get sales advice from a finance guy. What's the number one uh, back with, with legal? What are the new sales reps? Or If you have a new sales rep, you probably have somebody that's done a lot more buying than the person has done selling. What are, All right. You got new sales reps out there, right? What are the buyers trying to take advantage of the new sales person by crossing things out and whatnot? Anybody, anybody got any ideas? Yeah. Terms. Sorry, guys. I got to hold. Can I hold for a second? Just because I got, I got a, my dog. We got a UPS delivery. <laughs> hey, hey, we're both getting interrupted. Hey, that's right. Hey, hey. Nice. Is it, was, it, was it a Russian? <laughs> it, was not, it was not a Russian guy. I don't think he seemed uh, non-Russian. I don't know. Damn I think, they <laughs> I think the Russians. I think the it Russians are going after a podcast. I think, yeah, I think the, the dog the was European. Dawn, a Red Dawn situation. Yeah, European. He seemed non-Russian. It's uh, fantastic. <laughs> decidedly non-Russian. Nah. Um, I can't remember Pete, what the you, question was. Yeah, Pete, can you go to What, the, what are some red... Alex, who else should we bring on the show? You want to tag somebody so we can bug them to come on? Oh, man. He's good at annoying people. Yeah, yeah. Uh... Did I hear that? You already did. You already get Rosemary on the show. <laughs> <laughs> we did. Oh my God! It's Pete. like somebody planted that question for you. Oh, Alex, that is Pete claims to hit the record button. Knows the answer to the question he asked. <laughs> what an asshole! I didn't know. I, I, didn't, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't know that. That's an yeah. asshole question. She'd be we great. If you had any tape on that, she would be she would be awesome. <laughs> we, um, we had her on. We'll take another swing at the plate. He, I'm gonna attach. The, I'm gonna attach her four he minutes. Everything now. Recorded that one, you son of a bitch. I'll put that four <laughs> minutes at the end of the show. Had, had it. Way to go. <laughs> oh, Thanks for Alex, coming. I, I, Thanks for listening to Sassholes. I was not involved in that debacle, but it has come up. And every single <laughs> podcast that they've done since. Oh my God. Yeah. So great. Well, it's because the everyone asks, are you recording it. already? And it's like, <laughs> yes. Peter's recording at all times. Because... That's outstanding. No, <laughs> uh, oh, that's great. So, okay, okay, great. Rosemary. Okay, great. Yeah. Yeah, Rosemary. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to Sassholes. Please rate us five stars. <laughs> Apple Music. You derailed, Carney. Oh, come on. That was great. funny. That was funny. <laughs> Pete, you can cue whatever ripped off music you have found. No, I got to make up. I'm going to grab my bass out here. Hey, get your ukulele out there, Jason. We'll put something together. <laughs> Sounds good. Oh, Jason, <laughs> by the way, Jason was in Chicago. He admitted to it, right? <laughs> oh, really? There was a scanner. There was a Chicago scanner tweet of some guy in a cowboy hat urinate in a suit, urinated on the streets in public. And Jason copped to it. So. Oh, way to go. You know, that's, <laughs> that's gotta be, that's gotta be a Texan because the only people in the world who wear suits and cowboy hats are Texans. That's it. Yeah. Nobody else in the world would do something and like that. If you want to know where I'm Russians. At, and Russians. If you, uh, Alex, it, well, maybe, yeah. You're, in Chicago. That's a true, true, that's a European cowboy. To use your services, you know, frivolous lawsuits. I know I pitched this as an idea from everywhere. Uh, back at B, we would just do frivolous lawsuits and turn our legal department into a profit center. 
by settling yeah. this lawsuit for money. I, I still think horrible ethics, but a great business concept. Just, oh yeah, yeah. We should definitely, we should definitely pull that. Let's do lunch on that. That sounds like a plan. Yeah, sure. After the show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and with that, I think we can end the call. And in Chicago, by the way, right now, Dave Portnoy is hitting up all the pizza joints because he's in town. Yeah, I saw that. So I'm going to be just driving around tonight, looking for all the, uh, all the pizza joints, looking for El Presidente. Um, I'm going to get it on samples. All right, Alex. It was great catching up. Alex, thank you, man. Thank you. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know what's usable in there, but you know, good luck. Oh. <laughs> I enjoyed it. Can't be any worse what we've done. <laughs> All right, you ready to hit record? Oh, here's Rosemary. Right, we'll that GD Rosemary. You can't count on people from Buffalo, man. Uh-huh. They suck. So way to send me, <laughs> way to just send me the invite. You never sent me an invite. What are you talking ju- about? Yeah, I, I didn't just, get. You I didn't send the. You didn't like send the minute. Zoom link. Carney, you're a teenager, and Rosemary, check your junk. Way to be. Annoyed. Don't make me. I didn't get it either. I was like, dude, where's this? Because he gets on me all the time. He's like, Carney, you're like I literally twelve years like, old. Oh, he's too busy. That's fine. I'm also having like wacky. Uh, yeah, connectivity yeah, yeah. issues yeah, today. Yeah. So does so, so does yeah. Jamie. His goes oh. out in and out. Yeah, you have the same problem I do. It's not. It, there's no logic to it. it just happens. Rosemary, look at you, hot tay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> HR stands for hot. I uh, remember once somebody telling me my initials R H. It backwards is HR, so I was destined to be an HR. Oh, wow. and then I was like, "Oh." <laughs> Are you guys so going what? into the office at all? Do you go into the office at all, or no? Um, I I go in probably once a week, once every week and a half. I mean, we we give the option to people. Not a lot of takers, but you know, little unknown fact. Even when you say your office is closed, people still need to go in, like. You know, we have some customers who actually still pay by check. Is that crazy? You got to go oh, and get man. the checks and take them to the bank. Or well, if I'm trying yeah. to get somebody a work visa, guess what? The government still mails everything. I got to go and get the paperwork. It's nuts. <laughs> it's kind of nice though. Nobody's here. Cause like I can then just go get a little me time. Oh, nice. Oh, get when away you're from my people. Yeah. Is that why you were late? Hey, uh, Carney, get it. <laughs> No, it had nothing to do with you just sending the meeting invited at 11.36. Oh, that's bullcrap. You did. I agree. See? I like, yep. I'm going to face you both later, and you're going to be so apologetic right before the holidays. I mean, Carney, we should he... probably check your noodle to make sure it's oh, still functioning. God. And do a doodle of your sh- noodle. I don't know how many short circuits I've had. Carney, <laughs> put your stupid tiger on so you do a grab. Smell right, Rosemary. I turn it off so I have my connectivity. I don't even know what I... It sucks even if you don't have it on. Uh, I know. I can just see right in... in uh... <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, I don't have it here. I have a friend who did a Christmas Wait, who's card. Wait, taking a picture? And it's totally that Who's taking the picture? It's... We're just going to screen share it. Screenshot.
like Teen Spirit. Yeah. <laughs> I'm okay with the beat. You okay with the beat? Next. <laughs> 